Hi, parents. It's Robin McMahon here. Thank you for listening to Parenting Our Future, which is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Before we dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my membership site, The Parent Toolbox. You can join this membership for free. It's at www.parent-toolbox.com. And this is the companion site to my show, Parenting Our Future. In The Parent Toolbox, you will find game-changing tools and resources from both myself and my guest experts who are among some of the top minds in the parenting space. There are over a hundred resources to help you navigate screen time, co-parenting, meltdown, teenagers, and so much more. Join today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Parenting Our Future. I have a really cool guest that I know you will love. I know I say that a lot, but I really, really mean it every single time I say it. I have Dr. Sasha Hines here. She's a PhD. She's an academic who really went mainstream using her background as a developmental psychologist to become a mindset coach who teaches people the science of getting unstuck. An expert in positive psychology and adult development, Dr. Hines has based her entire career on helping clients make real transformations, giving them the tools to develop their mental fitness by facing challenges and breaking our mind's default modes for stress, self-criticism, and anxiety. Dr. Hines received her BA from Harvard, her PhD in developmental psychology from Columbia, and her master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also served as a faculty member. And she's one of the first 33 people in history to receive a degree in positive psychology. I'm so happy to welcome Dr. Sasha Hines to my show. Dr. Hines, thank you so much for being here. I'm just so excited to pick your brain and talk to you about all of the things. I've been following you for a while, a little bit stalkery, but I've been following you for a while and I I just love everything that you say. So thank you for being here. Robin, I'm I'm very excited to have this conversation. It's all all my favorite topics all in one. So I know it's so delicious. I love it. You just want to dive right in. And so you talk about everything from uh, toxic positivity to perfectionism, uh, the three P's we're going to talk about, just how women get trapped. And you have a really cool quote that I love. Uh, It's on one. It's on your Instagram, uh, and your Instagram is uh, Dr. Sasha Hines. And uh, it says, for some of you, self-compassion is nothing more than a synonym for selfish, self-indulgent, or self-serving, and therefore you avoid it like the plague. And for others, it's a mystery. Okay. I would agree with that 100%. And not just for other people, for myself too. Can you tell me more about that and what what you mean by all of that? Mm-hmm. I think that for most women, and one of this is one of the reasons why in my program, I work with women exclusively in Mind Your Mind, and I will have people make comments about that, or why don't you work with men? And because I think women have specific things, it's a generalization, but in general, women deal with different, um, they have different challenges in general than men do. Mm-hmm. Um developmentally. And one of the things that you were just talking about with self-care, I think that most people don't really understand what does self-care mean? Is it a bubble Mm -hmm. bath? Is it getting our nails done? I'm like, no, that's, I don't know. That's grooming. You know, that's not necessarily self-care. 
But for most women, they have been taught. Um, I think socially, where women are by and large taught to attend to other people's stuff. So mm-hmm. women tend to be more internalizing, i.e., they take responsibility for other people's experience, other people's feelings, other people's emotions. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want them to feel bad. I'll do this because they'll be disappointed. We're socialized to attend to and prioritize other people's needs, other people's feelings, taking the temperature. Um, And so oftentimes we're so used to prioritizing other people's, you know, we're responsible for everybody else's stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then ours, you know, we, we sort of lose touch with our needs and we lose touch with that, um, with that those inner feelings of, you know, I don't really like this, or I don't really want to be here, or um, this is too stressful for me. I don't like the pace of this. You know, this schedule is crazy. (laughs) I don't want to, this is too much for me. But we sort of lose touch with that inner, um, that inner voice. um, And because we've got, we've practiced so for so long, first prioritizing and attending to, well, what do they think? What do they need? Mm-hmm. What do they want? Um, and so I think for women, um, when when there is all this talk about self-care, I think it's very uh, typical for a woman to say, well, that's putting my needs at the top of the list. That's selfish. That's self-indulgent. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't feel right to them. It feels scary. Um, how will I be a good person? How will I have value in the world? Um, you know, I can't be this person. And so often what I think women are, you know, that's sort of their framework around it. Okay. So you said we're socialized to prioritize others' needs. Are we socialized or are we, is it sort of innate in us that we're nurturers that we want to take care? Like, I, I've never really thought about it that way. Well, I mean, there is biological differences or gender differences here. So it's really important to understand that. So, you know, um, we, we all know fight or flight response, yeah. our stress response, but women have it also an additional stress response, which um, we call tend and befriend. So when women get stressed, we're biologically wired to tend and befriend. Why? Because we have dependence, right? We can't just cut and run. So um, we, we have to actually we kind of group together to create a defense, right? We're going to tend to these young kids and we're going to pull together our resources and tend to each other as a way of managing our stress. So if you think about the way that women interact, like let's say a woman, something happens, they're feeling upset about something. They're far more likely to, the first thing they do is to pick up the phone and call their friend. Mm-hmm. And that may not necessarily be the first response that would be a typical male response to the same Hmm. situation. Interesting. Interesting. And sometimes we, uh, we put them down for not doing that when when guys are going through a crisis, right? It's like, well, why, why don't you ask for help or how come? Right. And we're, so what you're saying is we're wired that way, tend and befriend. Whoa. You just kind of blew my mind there. So true. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, um, Shelly Taylor's work. I, um, that's her last name, but, um, I, or is that anyway, I have to think of, I have to look it up. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah, so, that's <laughs> and then okay. I'm going to be preoccupied with that as a researcher. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get this wrong. Um, but yeah, the, the research came out, I don't know, maybe, you know, 
over the last 15 years or so, but this understanding that women respond differently to stress than men do. And, and not that we don't have fight or flight, because indeed we do um, fight, flight, freeze, the cortisol response. But in mm. addition, we also do this other thing, which is we, kind of, we, we connect. We want to connect with someone. When we feel stressed, we want to connect. How that is just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I didn't know that, but I feel like I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like I know, I know it, but I would never have been able to articulate that. Oh, that is so yeah. like that. I love right. it. Yeah. Sorry. It's not okay. a weakness. It's not a it's not a female weakness. So instead of fight or flight, we go to tend and befriend. Yes. Yeah, in addition and, to it. Yeah. And just men respond differently. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, it, it's so relevant even in my life right now. I'm just thinking about how differently men respond in, in different situations. It's so interesting. So, so interesting. Okay. So, so, you know, I wrote this down before we, we, we started going into tend and befriend and, and, and I wonder if this is also a coping strategy, like the, the, the three P's that you talk about of per- perfectionism, people pleasing, and paralysis or analysis paralysis, right? It, it, is that coping? Is that a coping system? Um, I would, I would say it's really um, a developmental. It's a, it's an issue for a developmental stage. So, um, when you're in a socialized, so they're just as children have developmental stages that they transcend over, you know, from one stage to the next, it's the concentric rings of a tree. You, you build on each one. Those developmental stages don't end when we hit 25 and our physical maturity, they continue from cradle to grave. So there are developmental stages in adulthood that uh, you can get stuck in. And I would say, uh, perfectionism, people pleasing, analysis paralysis are indicative of someone who's um, in a socialized mindset. Meaning, uh, they they're the obstacle that they face is they're sort of subject to their relationships. Meaning, um, their sense of self is externalized. They they mm-hmm. their worth, their value is they are assessing their worth and value as a human being based on how other people think of them. So is it fair? Am I doing a good job? Do you like me? Um, yeah. Do you approve of me? Do you, you know, do, am I doing a quote, good job as a mom? Okay. And then we, we're looking to other people to give us a sense of where we stand in the world. And this is a, that, you know, that is um, part of what it means to be in a socialized mindset. And I think our job as adults, as we want to grow up and become grown up um, and fully functioning adults is we want to transcend the socialized stage to self-authorship so that our, okay. our sense of self is internalized that someone may not think that um, I'm, you know, the way that I'm doing something is the way it should be done. And I'm okay with that. I'm not subject to it. I don't feel <clears throat> it doesn't have me by the neck. I just, I'm like, okay, you have a difference of opinion here and that's okay. Right. That, that would be, we've now transcended into self-authorship. Okay. Okay. So Okay. So what, what I really heard you say is, and tell me if I, if I've got this right, is that we don't realize that there are developmental stages as adults too. Hello. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. brilliant. Uh, And yeah, I mean, we don't stop growing and evolving. It's so true. I mean, I can say with 
whole confidence I've grown and evolved over the last couple of years, never mind, you know, how many years I've been on this planet. But it sounds like what you're saying is if you are sort of stuck, if you will, in those three P's of perfectionism, people pleasing and paralysis, analysis, paralysis, as you say, that we just haven't evolved past that yet Mm -hmm. into self-authorship where we don't take those things so personally. We don't look to others to validate us, to tell us we're, we're good enough. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. And if, if for those of you, you know, listening to this conversation, if you struggle with analysis, paralysis, difficulty making decisions, um, perfectionism, people pleasing, you know, that kind of, um, you know, feeling stuck in that stuff. What I would say is ask yourself, is your, the big, bad, terrible thing is the thing that you're most concerned about is other people's opinions. Often that's the case. That's mm-hmm. right there in the front of it, which, you know, they're going to think that my work isn't great, or they're not going to approve of my decision, or they're not going to like the, um, you know, I mean, this is going <laughs> to be something so silly, you know, they're not going to like the throw pillows I have on my couch. I mean, truly, it can be something really minor. Um, but when you think about what is the threat that I feel, or what's the concern, what's the angst, often it is other people, other people's opinions, um, other people's judgments. Uh, in that socialized mindset, you're sort of walking around as if the world is a panel of, you know, Russian skating judges and they're just flashing, you know, they're giving you a score. Yeah, right? that's right. And that doesn't actually exist. No, it doesn't. I, mean, I think there's something wrong with, in fact, socialized mindset is really important. We want to transcend this developmental stage. It's like, uh, it's, it would be akin to saying we want, um, children to, you know, jump over. I'll give an example with physical development. You have a child who can't, um, that goes straight from immobile to walking and skips the crawling phase. Okay. Right. Right. And there may be, uh, this idea, Oh, my child's so advanced. This is, they're so (laughs) precocious and ahead of the curve. No, actually, when a child doesn't crawl, uh, they're not, they're missing a develop, a absolutely crucial developmental stage that is connecting the hemispheres of the brain. And that, oh. that le- the movement of this sort of, um, you know, whatever it's bilateral movement uh, that is happening in the, in the crawling is actually really important for brain development. And obviously there are ways to, to help a child who didn't, um, crawl with this later with other kind of activities, but you have to actively, you know, rock climbing, getting them to do things where they're using that bilateral movement. And um, anyhow, the idea that we just, oh, socialized mindset is terrible. Let's just skip over it straight to self-authorship. That's not how it works. This, this, this developmental stage is essential because we want to learn how to be, you know, empathetic. We want to, you know, understand our impact on other people. We want to play well with others. Um, We want to prioritize, um, other people's needs just as much as we, you know, prioritize ours, that their needs are equally as important as my needs are, but they're not more important, but they're equally important, right? So that we're, we're taking all of these other, these factors into account when we're decision-making, but we don't, but when we transcend this developmental stage, we're no longer held hostage by them. Mm. So we have to go through this stage in order to break free of it. Just yep. like we have to crawl before we walk. Exactly. And if we skip it, we're not doing ourselves any favors. 
<laughs> right. The idea that we're going to, um, you know, prevent our daughters. I mean, I hear this a lot. I just don't want my daughter to be as preoccupied with what other people think about her as I was. And my right. thought is that's totally normal. And that's a normal phase. It's a normal developmental stage. What we want to help kids with is to move through it, right? To, to learn the lessons of that developmental stage and then continue moving through it. And that's where people get stuck is that in adulthood, yeah. we don't think about our growth. We're not really, that's not top of mind for us as it is with children. So how do we help our kids move through it when we're still in it? That's a great question. That's a great question. This is, this is why I'm like, everyone needs to get their butt in mind your mind. No, seriously. For a friend. <laughs> no, I mean, really, I think this is, it's such a, it's a, it's the most critical question because this is, this is what kids are listening to. We have all the right party lines with our kids. Oh, sweetheart, their opinion, don't worry. Their opinion of you doesn't matter. You know, you just, you do you, you be yourself, be authentic. I love you. Okay. And you mean it. You mean it. Yes. Okay. But then your kids observe you running around like a maniac trying to make someone happy or being totally inauthentic in a, in a social situation because you're feeling insecure and they watch all of this and it matters far more what we do far more important than what we say. Oh yeah. Right. So the kids, your, your, your kids are, or our kids are watching us engaging in this and they'll see you angsting over a decision. Um, they'll see you being insecure about something mm -hmm. or other, or um, there is a relationship issue that comes up and right. You don't necessarily know how to navigate or whatever it is. And the, and your a child is observing this. Mm -hmm. Right. So while you may be saying to them, Oh, you know, you do what you want to do. Um, and you're, and I support you in your authentic desires, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to us, you know, we're the, the, the it's like, you know, family's coming over. Everyone put on your appropriate clothes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so everyone's like, wait a minute, this is a mixed message. You want yeah. me to be this person because it's appropriate, right? We're, and it's not, about self-values. It's not saying, Hey, this isn't about anybody else. This is about, you know, I, I, I believe that we should dress this way as a um, it's just respectful to pull yourself together, to go to such and such an event. And this yeah. is just a value that I have. Okay. That's very different than yeah. saying, if you don't dress like the anxiety is someone's going to think badly of you. Someone will think badly of our family. Okay. And then they're for you, me and they're for me or if you don't do well in school, I'm going to seem like a bad parent. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are deeply in a socialized mindset. Well, and we're making it about us, right? We're making it about us. Right. Yeah. And so can we then, so we're here to help our kids through it. So, so, and, and look, I say this all the time. Our kids don't do what we say. They do what we do. So I'm right there with you. Uh, with that, right? Like we, we also have to model it. And I think that's a lot of pressure for parents to always be on their best behavior to model it because sometimes we just want to, sometimes we act inappropriately. You know what I mean? Sometimes we just don't do the right thing anyway. Uh, but what I want to say is, can we sort of surrender to this? Like, okay, we want to, we want to invite our kids to make the right decisions. We want to guide them in the direction that 
you know, with, with our best intentions are good, but then surrender to the fact that, Hey, they actually have to developmentally go through this stage themselves before until like for them to get through to that self authorship stage. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when we, I mean, I think totally, I think the, the home, the, the red flag here for those of us, um, you know, as you're thinking about it would be, am I anxiously responding to my kid's behavior because I'm worried about what it means, what other people would think, what it means about their future. And it may be, I'm anxiously responding to them, um, for something that they did, because I think it's going to limit their options in the future or mm-hmm. that people won't like them as kids or uh, it's right. Okay. Right. We're what we're really saying to them is you need to be this way. So other people approve of you. And I'm very anxious and concerned that other people are not going to approve of you as right. a person. And I, what, and also what I'm, what I'm tacitly expressing to you is I really care what those other people think about you. Mm-hmm. And again, when we are in a self-authored mindset and we've transcended the socialized mindset, you know, to that more higher level of functioning as a, an adult, it doesn't mean that we don't care what other people think. Au contraire, we've already internalized that. We de- we understand, we care what other people think in the sense of, am I being respectful? Mm. Am I, am I being thoughtful? Am I, um, you know, am I, am I holding their needs in the, in, in the balance here? Am I weighing what someone else might need here? Um, Am I, you know, am I being considerate? All of those things would be something that you would, would be important when you're making a decision from a socialized mindset. Absolutely. But it wouldn't be everything equally in the balance would be, what are my values? What matters to me? You know what, right? My value is that my, that actually my kids um, develop their own autonomy and their independence. And so um, I'm not going to react so anxiously about this because I have a different set of values or whatever it is. And, but those are self-authored that you have internalized them and you've decided what they are. It's not values that you picked up from other people. So it sounds like you do more noticing, more questioning, but without the judgment, without the negative self-talk, without the beating yourself up and blaming yourself and saying, well, there must be something wrong with me or wrong with my kid or whatever. And I better make sure nobody thinks that anything's wrong with me or my kid. Right. It's like, it's sort of, um, um, it's just in, in, again, it's very, you know, it's nuanced. It's in the way that we respond. It's not what we say, it's how we say it. Mm. It's not what we believe. It's how it's, it's not the content of it. It's the way that we believe the meaning making around it. So the same thing can happen. And then you have a person in a socialized mindset will respond differently than a person who's self-authored. So, um, you know, the, let's say, um, you know, at work and in work environment, you, um, or you have a presentation and you blow the presentation or you, you uh, don't get the work into somebody else on time. And so their weekend is, you know, having to d- deal with your mistake. Okay. If you're in a socialized mindset, you are preoccupied with, they're so mad at me. They're going to be disappointed in me. They think I'm a bad person. I, you know, that's how you're, that you're preoccupied with that. If you are more in a self-authored mindset, you would be not delighted with yourself, but the, but the central issue here would be 
we want to make it right with the other person. Right. I, but it's, but I'm upset because I didn't live up to my own expectations of myself. It's less about yeah. my boss going to be think I'm an idiot. My coworkers are not going to like me. It's like, no, I let myself down. Like I didn't, that's actually not my value. That doesn't, it's not alignment with my values. And, and so then from that place, it's then it would be, okay, how do I correct this so that next time this doesn't happen? There wouldn't be this ruminating and preoccupation with, you know, trying to manage your relationship with the coworker who might be pissed. Right. Right. So here's my question though. I, I feel like, and I'm sure other people feel this way too, that I've been in that place where I have mm-hmm. transcended the developmental stage and I feel like mm-hmm. I have self, and then I go back and then I backtrack sure. and I'm like, hustling again. Right. So how do we, uh, and I think you talk about this, like, how do we get it to stick and stay there versus going backwards? Well, I think when the important thing to recognize is when you do get that sort of stickiness, I would imagine that it's an issue that hooks you, right? It's an, mm. it's not, there are issues that we can say, oh, I'm, you know, I am not going to react to that. It's not a big deal, but normally it's because it doesn't have an emotional hook, but the minute something, yeah. right, we really can understand someone's developmental stage. When you talk to them about stuff that feels really important, like, what makes you anxious? Um, you know, when is the, um, the last time that you got angry? Why, what was that about? And understanding what, what is the tension? And it's in that tension that we can understand the way that the person sees the world. So things will still come up and that's really your invitation to Mm -hmm. say, okay, this has got its hooks in me. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into that and look at why. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, um, and I think that the, I wish that the narrative out in the world, that the way we talked about this kind of work was less about, oh, I'm not doing a good job as a parent. Cause I think there's so much of that, you know, like oh, I'm a failure. I failed today. I failed with my kids. I'm what, you know, whether we're joking about it or not, like mother of the year. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I wish that the, the way we talked about it really was about growth and saying, this is an opportunity for me to explore. Why does this bother me so much? Why am I so anxious that, um, you know, my kid is resting in that way. I just, I, I'm so agitated by it and I feel so out of control. And what is it about that? That's making me so anxious. That's an invitation to explore mm. what's hooking me. What am I making that mean? You know, am, am I making that mean that they're going to be outcast and, um, or, or that, that, I don't know. Right. We got to understand what is that? What, what's the hook um, mm. that people, maybe it's that people won't understand them and you're anxious for them because of that. Okay. So, but you need to, you, the invitation is to explore what am I projecting onto this that, that is scaring the living daylights out of me, which is why I'm responding like an anxious maniac. Mm. Right. Healing the onion, right? And just like layer yeah. by layer. And sometimes you just need to go deeper. Like you've 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 figured out the first couple layers, but then it keeps cropping up. So okay, it's just your invitation to go deeper. I, I do really love what Brene Brown says, like, what is the story I'm telling myself? Or the story I'm telling myself is this, right? I think yep. that's a great way to frame it. Uh I I, I love all of that. So I want to change gears for a second and mm-hmm. I want to talk about toxic positivity. What is that? 
if you can define that for us and how does that show up for, for women and for moms? So toxic positivity has just become sort of this, you know, buzzword phrase that has emerged recently. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't love it. Um, I mean, I never, I don't use it. I don't love it. I think it's, it's, um, I don't like it because I think that there is this, um, how do I, I'm like, what's my word retrieval here? People in general, people minimize positivity as flimsy and silly. Truly think about Pollyanna. Think about, you know, like you're being pan gloss from Voltaire, you know, you're, you're, you're being, you know, Pollyanna-ish. You're being kind of optimistically, but it's, there's a foolishness to it. Can I just ask when you say you don't like toxic positivity, do you mean you just don't like sort of the phrase, the buzzword? Yeah. I just think it should never be called this. It's just emotional denial, right? It's just someone who's saying, I'm not going to validate your experiences. I'm uncomfortable with your emotions right now. So I'm going to just try to, you know, I call it gilding the turd. I'm just going to put some gold leaf on this crappy situation to try to make it better. Right. But that's not positivity. when, when somebody does that to you, like when you have an experience where someone's like, Oh, like, it's like, excuse me. Like, um, I'm trying to have a moment here. Like I'm feeling something. Don't like, it doesn't, it does not feel good. It's not okay. But here's my, I take umbrage with this phrase and here's why, because, um, I, and I wrote an article about this in, in psychology today, but I, I don't, I don't love it because the notion that it's a toxic amount of positivity is asinine. It's not positivity. Invalidating right. someone is not positivity. Um, not connecting with someone's real emotions is not positivity. Um, it is just emotional immaturity and emotion. And yeah. it's just denial, right? It's, it's like, I am actually not going to, um, validate or understand your point of view here and your feelings because I can't handle it. What's positive about that? Nothing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I was just emotional uh, avoidance. Like that's all it is. And so I wish I'm like, why can't we call it emotional avoidance instead of toxic positivity? Yeah. 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 You know, I'll tell you just a little quick story. This, this is what happened to me. I was um, going into the hospital for um, a scope. And, uh, I brought a friend with me, my husband had COVID, so I couldn't go to the hospital with him. So a friend brought me and I, I mean, I, I'm so grateful to my friend and this happened to also be the exact same place where my dad had had a scope and was diagnosed with cancer. And mm-hmm. so we're walking down the hallway, the same hallway going into the same, right. And so it's all just coming back to me. Right. And, um, and I'm like having a moment and I'm like, oh, this is, this is heavy. Cause you know, this, this, this is like, you know, and she, she knew very well what happened to my dad and mm-hmm. my dad did pass away because of this. And so it was a pivotal moment, so for me, the moment yeah. that your parent, you, you find out your parent is going to die, you know? Mm-hmm. And I saw on this, on this, this clipboard, the word huge in terms of the tumor that he had. And I, I, I mean, all of it, I mean, I collapsed in these nurses arms, whatever. So here mm-hmm. I am going in for, for, for this. Right. And I just said, Oh, this is tough. And she's like, Oh, but it's not him. It's not you here. Look at the artwork. Look at like literally. And I was like, Oh, like, Oh, and it just completely, it just was, it was awful. Like what I felt was just like, 
and, mm-hmm. and it just snaps you right out of it. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, never mind. Just I put a wall up. Like, oh, I'm this is not a safe place to talk about what I'm going through. Absolutely. And I think that that happens um, you know, for people all the time, but it, it had nothing to do, it had everything to do with that nurse's inability to handle the emotions that you had, which by the way, she's afraid of your sadness. Mm-hmm. She's afraid of your despair. Um, yeah. she's afraid of your potential, um, linking those things together and having a moment of, Oh my gosh, what if, right. The fear perhaps that was there. And it was all kind of wrapped up. It was sadness. It was grief. It's fear. It's helplessness, it's love right. Love. Exactly. She didn't want like me to the, feel sad. Yeah. But right. Right. I already was, I already was, but, but, but that is, it's really about the other person's, uh, you know, inability to, to go to that emotional place without it overwhelming her. And so, mm. um, you know, the joy and grief are the opposite side of the same coin. You can't have joy without grief when you love something or it's when something is, um, so just you're overjoyed and you feel this just elated you're with someone and it feels just like, you know, you feel buoyed by this person's presence. You just adore them. You love them. Okay. But that there's an opposite, you know, an equal and opposite reaction on the other side, which is the person that like you just adore and love profoundly the grief that you feel when that person is no longer there Mm -hmm. is equal and opposite, right? To the extent that you just love that person is the, to the extent that you're going to feel despair and grief and deep, dark sadness. Right. And, and all of that's, but they, you know, right. They're, they're inside out of each other. Joy, you know, mm-hmm. grief is joy inside out. You can't have one without the other. And mm-hmm. so when we limit our willingness to sit with those more painful emotions, we limit the, our true expression of joy and our true, um, just diving into the wonder and awe and delightfulness of life. We can't have that because we're afraid of what's on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, and so there's so much courage in my mind. There's so much courage in being willing to, um, to, to have that more expansive emotional range. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work on myself and what I know is what I know now is that it's just not about me. Like her reaction had nothing to do with me. And, and Mm -hmm. that gives me so much comfort now that I know that, that nothing is, is about me, you know, nothing is, it doesn't mean that I don't sometimes have trouble in relationships and I don't feel hurt and, and, and that sort of thing. But, but I am able to recognize what's my stuff and most of the time, not all the time. And what is somebody else's stuff? Right. So I think not taking things personally for me is a, is a really big key to my own happiness and feeling self. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, to sort of circle back to what we were speaking about earlier is that's also an indication of your developmental growth, which is, you know, a socialized person would have, that would be a very aggravating interaction because, there would be an, and maybe to some extent, a little bit of shame around, Oh, I'm not supposed to be expressing these feelings because she yeah. shut me down. She doesn't approve. Right. Um, and then you, that would be the way you would see that interaction, but someone who's more self-authored would be able to hold that person's opinion. Like I see that she's uncomfortable with my feelings. And so maybe I'll choose not to share them with her because yeah. she, she can't, but it wouldn't be about 
your shortcomings, you're too emotional, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it would be, okay, this person, I'm reading the tea leaves here. I get that she, but my feelings are still very valid. Yeah. And I just need to, you know, I'll express them with the people who understand and love me. Exactly. And for me, like, that's how I connect with somebody else, right? Which is very normal for humans to do, right? Is to just say like, yeah, this is what I'm feeling right now. And you know what? Yeah, it didn't land. That's okay. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. You know? Um, So, so it's, it's all so good. And I think it just using those kind of tools and thoughts do really help us just be happier uh, and, and again, evolve. Right. So um, one thing I I, want to ask you about is, and this is really just my last question because, you know, the people who are listening are mostly moms, right. And we are dealing with a lot of burnout and maybe this is how we connect back to that whole self-compassion piece. But, you know, what do you say about parental burnout? You're a mom yourself to two kiddos. And, um, you know, if we were burnt out before the pandemic and we're still recovering, I think, from that. And so mm-hmm. what, what do you say about that? I have lots, <laughs> I have lots of thoughts yeah. and feelings about this because, you know, I, and as I was saying, sharing with you, I have a 12 year old son and a nine year old daughter and I'm in the thick of it. Um, yeah. And I, I do think that I, it's very easy to feel burnt out. My opinion and my thoughts around this really are is that I think w- w- many, many women are are in a developmental crisis mm. or in a develop burnout is really a developmental crisis because what's mm. happening is you're bumping up against limitations of this developmental stage, which is if I'm supposed to be everything for everyone because I care most about what people think of me, you are going to be roadkill. Yeah. Right. I mean, you are going to be mom roadkill <laughs> because totally. everybody has a different opinion. I mean, we live in a world now where you're not in a little village and there's a few opinions about how you should be as a mother. Oh no, no, no. We live in a world now where there are thousands of opinions about how you should be as a parent. Right. Yeah. So um, if you are preoccupied with, am I doing a good job? Do they mm-hmm. think I'm doing a job? Am I doing a good job according to some other expert, right? Then you are going to be mom roadkill. That's what's going to happen. And you will be burnt out. No question. Mm. Because there's no getting it right. There's no way you can get it right. In that, from that framework, there's no way that you're, everybody is going to think, you know, you, that you're going to be the mother that is approved of by every and all people. Mm. Like it's never, it's not going to happen. So how, how does, okay. So here, here's what I can see. Like, uh, you're preoccupied, 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 and then you're just so burnt out that you just have no more F's to give. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's growth when you just don't give a care anymore. We don't swear in this podcast, but uh, yeah. so normally I would, um, you know, like, I guess that's apathy, right? That's just, but that's not helpful either. Is it? No, I mean, in some way, that's the, there's a feeling of helplessness about that, right? There's no agency. There's no, a, there's a feeling surrender. of like, yeah. right. So I would sort of, this is how I would describe that developmental, that when you bumping up against the limitations of the developmental stage, it's sort of, you're in, you recognize that you're in the snow globe, but you don't know how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, you sort of get to this place of helplessness where you're sort of like, well, I'm going to throw my hands up because, you know, 
since I'm, since I'm just failing on all levels, I'm just going to, you know, screw it. Right. Okay. So, but that is, um, that could be the crisis that leads to someone saying, Hey, I got to look at this. This isn't working. So maybe that is the, the beginning, a little spark of, okay, there's another way. There must be another way here. But, um, but yes, the solution isn't, you know, this sort of black and white, all or nothing. I'm either the perfect mother. I'm the worst mother. Do you, I sort of notice yeah. this language out there, right? The, I, no one wants to be the good enough mother. You want to be the spectacular mother or you're joking around about I'm the worst, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what is the, what is this about? Um, but so much of it is that women feel responsible for other people. And mm-hmm. so when you're responsible for, um, you know, your kids' emotions, your husband's emotions, your dog's emotions, your colleagues' emotions, you know, uh, you're responsible for everybody being happy and everything going well. I mean, it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So for so many women, I think that the work is learning that I'm responsible for myself and how I show up and how I'm responding to people and is it in alignment with my values? Do I feel good about my interaction? Do I feel like I handled that the way I want to handle it? That's what I'm responsible for. And I'm responsible to the people in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm responsible to um, being there if my child needs me. I'm responsible to my kid, but I'm not responsible for their experience. And this is real hard for me. <laughs> this is yes. really hard for me. Yes. You know, especially as my children have gotten older, um, I'm not responsible for their motivation for various activities. Man, do I wish I were. You know, I'm I would just love down. to just I take a little. Responsible for their experience. I am not responsible for their oh. experience. Like their life is going to happen to them and I can't manage it. I can't think through it for them. I can't, I just, you have to embrace the fact that this is not your job. You're just responsible for you. That's what you're saying. Yes. And I will tell you, I had this experience. I mean, TMI, but I'll just sharing with you all, if you're, you know, the mothers out there in solidarity the other weekend, um, I was so full of angst. It was a Sunday. I really wanted to read. I'm tired. I was tired. You know, we'd hosted a lot um, over the you know spring break holiday, and I just wanted some downtime. But we happened to have um, some people in town, and my family, um, my family, my uh, my brother and my niece were in town, and I had so I had people in town. My kids were bored. Um, my dog is whimpering and wants me to go take her on a, you know, I live in the mountains. So wants me to take mm-hmm. her on a Nordic ski so she can go play in the snow. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm sitting, right. So I'm hearing all of this and I am feeling the angst build, right. Yeah. Just feeling it. And then on top of it, it's sunny outside. And I was like, it's a bossy day. Even the sun is judging me. Right. <laughs> so I'm feeling like I got to manage. I, I in, I'm taking responsibility for how the darn sun how the day mm-hmm. approves of me or not. Do you see how, but this is so nuts, nuts. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not doing a good enough job as a human being because it's a sunny day and I should go out and maximize whatever it is, right? I should go out and, 
you know, walk in yeah, outside exactly. or take my kids to have an activity outside. And all I want to do is read. And I could feel this angst building up. And my husband so sweetly said, um, I just want to point out that nobody's, nobody needs anything from you. Nobody's asking you to do anything. And, and I said, I cannot relax. And, and I was like, this is what's happening inside of me is that I feel this compulsiveness to m- do something productive with my kids, take them somewhere for, to maximize their Sunday. I feel that I need to make sure that my dog is having a wonderful Sunday afternoon. I'm feeling angst that the people that are here feel that I haven't, you know, I've created enough fun things for them to do. And I'm letting him know, like, this is what's going on in my head. And he mm-hmm. is looking at me like, wow, that sounds really exhausting. Like it is. And I think so many women, this is their reality internally, that even when they're trying to do this quote self-care and they're trying to relax and they're trying to do, you know, carve out a little time to read or do whatever it is that they want to do. It sometimes feels so frustrating because their nervous system is just on high alert of I'm responsible for, because they've been trained to be responsible for everybody else's stuff. Mm -hmm. And just my, my word of love to all of, you know, who struggle with this is have patience with yourself because that's what it's going to feel like as you are emerging from this. It is not going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel like you're having an out-of-body experience. You're going to feel your the anxiety that you that you're managing your anxiety by doing all these things, right? You're managing your anxiety by over planning and taking care of other people's stuff. So when you're mm-hmm. not doing that, you know what you're going to feel? Horrible anxiety. <laughs> You're going to feel mm-hmm. guilty. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel so uncomfortable. And that is the developmental work is to, to be willing to sit with that discomfort mm-hmm. in service that's of the, work. Mm-hmm. the growth. You know, uh, that's, that's really powerful. So, you know, you know, you're growing when <laughs> you, you can feel this way. And you know what I say to people, uh, to parents that I work with, you know, when they're not sure if they, they want to, you know, venture into this endeavor with me and, and have, have my help. And, and, you know, what I say is like, you're already uncomfortable. The growth and the work will make you uncomfortable too. There's no doubt about it, but this is a discomfort that will get you to a new place. And that is powerful. That is where you will feel more confident, more calm, more connected, all of the things, you know, that I talk about, you know, with parenting. So um, there's freedom on the other side of it. Exactly. Yeah, There is freedom on the other side of it. And being uncomfortable isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, it really isn't. And uh, well, women and people in general live with a low hum of discomfort all the time, right? They're tolerating so much stress and discomfort. Um, and I call this the stress of stuck. We minimize the stress of stuck. We pretend like it's not really that bad, but if you actually pay attention to how much of your life you have are having inner conflict, um, how much of your life you're sitting there feeling guilty or that you're mm-hmm. not good enough, you're not doing enough, like that um, is so unpleasant too. And But we just are, I think, inured to it in some way that we don't really pay attention. But if you do pay attention, you're recognized like, oh yeah, this actually, as you were saying, it doesn't feel that good either. Hmm. And, you know, I think, and I'll end with this, is is that the cost of that is so high. I mean, it costs you your mental and emotional freedom. I think it costs you confidence in yourself. 
costs you peace, kind of costs you everything. Yes, absolutely. And then the the unfortunate outcome is that, you know, and I am speaking from my own experience, but I'm the example of that day. If I don't get a hold of what's going on internally, what happens is I then become resentful at everyone. I resent the people that are visiting. I'm resenting that I'm resenting my kids um, for no reason other than, can you just get, you know, can you just not be needy so that I can feel better? Right. Like I feel burdened by stuff that they're not even asking me to be burdened by. Right. And so then we build up all of this resentment. I mean, to a large extent for no reason. So, um, you know, like my kids are mildly bored and they're fine. Yeah. Guess what? They put their snow clothes on and when I built, built a Ford outside, like they were fine. Right. So then, then I'm making up the story in my mind. And if I don't get a hold of it, then I, create this wall of resentment, which of course, you know, it's like resentment is the number one barrier to intimacy. You know, it's just going to destroy your relationships with people. So are we, there is, I, I really wish, and, um, you know, so I think some of my mission as a psychologist, as a, as a coach really is trying to help people understand that this work of growth and development um, isn't about pathology. Nothing needs to be wrong with you to s- continue to engage in your own growth. And your own growth is imperative to the health of yourself, to the health of your family, to the health of, you know, your relationships. And it has nothing to do with your trauma or your, you know, some disease, dysfunction, disorder. It has to do with, are you on your growth trajectory? Are you still, are you evolving? over time. Yeah. So in other words, this isn't mental illness. This is just us evolving and growing and developing. Exactly. So my agita about like, I have to manage everybody's stuff. um, Even though they're not asking me to, I have to manage people's feelings when I have no idea they're even feeling that way. So let's be clear, right? I made it all up in my head and I'm very agitated by this. Um, That is not a pathology. Right. No, that's a developmental obstacle. That's right. me okay. still getting hooked by a socialized mindset, which says my, I'm, I need to manage everybody else's feelings because in managing their emotions, I'm managing how they think about me. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. And so I need to, this is a, my invitation to do the work of, oh, right. I'm going to do things in alignment with my values. So if it, you know, right. So that may be, hey, I'm going to read for an hour and then, hey, we're going to go do something later this afternoon, but I'm not doing it out of guilt or compulsiveness. I'm doing it because it's like, hey, that sounds like what I'd like to show, how I'd like to show up today. Yeah. Well, whether we like it or not, when we have needs that we need to have met and they aren't met, we're going to have feelings about the fact that we're not getting our needs met. Now we've got feel- unmet needs. We've got un- you know recognized feelings. Oh my gosh. And And again, that's not pathology. That's not a diagnosis. That is just a developmental stuckness. Yeah. I I could totally that like a hundred (laughs) percent like that, that so many women, I just want to say that I think is really important is for, for so many women, it's really about the equality. It's, it's like understanding that your needs matter just as much as someone else's needs. It is not hubris. It is not arrogance. It is not selfishness. It's saying I am equally as important as you and that and from that place of equality can we compromise can we come up with something that works for both of us 
as opposed to their needs are more important than mine. And then we feel resentful or then maybe we swing the other way where we're saying like, you know, as you said, you know, blowing it all up and saying, you know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Screw everybody else. Like that's not how that's, that's not what we're working towards. We're working towards uh, where you truly internalize this understanding that their needs are important and mine are equally as important. And from that equality, how can we make this thing work? I love it. And so, okay. So I just said it, I could talk to you all day. I can literally (laughs) talk to you all day. I want to hang out with you um, more than you know. And um, so when you are taking care of yourself and taking care of your needs, you sometimes have to say no. And therefore you have the most delicious um, guide for us. It's, it's, It's all about how to say no without being a jerk and how you can do that. Because look, nobody teaches us that stuff. There's so many things in life that we just are never taught because our parents didn't know it either. So I love it when I have guests like you, Dr. Sasha Hines, who just can help us with these things that are small tweaks that we make. And I like to say it like those small hinges swing big doors, right? These are small tweaks that we can use every day in our lives that actually bring us more joy and allow us to develop further. And I really like, this has been a pivotal conversation for me, I want to say, because I am looking at things differently, even, even after talking to you just now, (laughs) I'm sort of like running through some things that I, that I think of that. Yeah. I can have a different way of seeing that and a different way of relating to that. And so I just want to say, thank you so, so much for this, for the parent toolbox. So you know, you can go to the parent toolbox, www.parent-toolbox.com. It is the companion site to this, to this podcast where all of my guests give you amazing tools and we have how to say no without being a jerk from you. And, um, please go to, uh, to, to see more about what Sasha has here. She also has a program called mind your mind for women. So maybe we can end on that. Can you tell, um, can you tell the listeners just a little bit about what that program is about? Yeah. So uh, Mind Your Mind is, I call it the mental fitness club for women, Uh, but it's, it's really a coaching community. I coach people live. Um, Mm -hmm. I take them through, it really is this developmental work. It's to create a community to help women transcend the stuckness that they feel in these, in the socialized mindset, right? If if I'm preoccupied with what other people think about me and I really don't want to live like this anymore. And when you get to that point, then the question is, well, how, (laughs) how do I do this? Right. The awareness is just not enough. So, um, I really think about mind your mind. I wanted to create a place where it's not just the awareness or the understanding, it's the application and taking action in a, in a, growth community. Um, so I'm coaching people all the time. Um, and there is courses inside mind your mind to explain all of this and how this is working and understanding truly how change works. And, um, that sort of feeling of, I've got one foot on the gas, really wanting to change, but I've got another foot on the brake that resists the change. And that's just that horrible stuck place is really what we work on um, and, and helping people breaking through, breaking through that 
and always from the perspective of this is your growth arc. This is not about like mitigating what's wrong with you. This is about helping you truly become, um, you know, evolve and truly become who you are, have the potential to be, you know, Mm. it sounds like it's just such a, a kinder way to look at yourself a more, you know, giving yourself more grace, more understanding. Uh, I really love this. And I think we're all better for knowing you for, for, for listening to, to what you have to say. Thank you so much. And and please go to drsashahines.com. She's on LinkedIn. She's on Facebook. She's on Instagram, all with Dr. Sasha Hines. Um, and I just, I, I am, I am so honored to have talked to you and to have learned from you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Oh, Robin, this has been so much fun. Thank you. And I love what I love this conversation for women. We're all too isolated thinking that we're a little, you know, we're on the island of misfit toys on our own. And the reality is that we're all thinking the same thing. We're all having the same angst, the same concerns, the same self-doubt, the same self-criticism. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I think there's just so much healing and, and just support in knowing that you're not alone. So true. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.